Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Hey, we're starting a new series today called Fly It. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready to fly. Get ready to fly. We're starting this series. We're talking about drawing near to the Lord. We're talking about coming up to the Lord. Come on, we're talking about changing perspective. And we're talking about moving in to this overcoming life. How many know when you go higher, everything else seems smaller? And so a lot of times we just need perspective. We need change. We need a spirit-filled life. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this series. And if you've got your Bibles, open that up to Romans chapter 8. Let me know that God wants you to walk in victory. He wants you to, you know, there's kind of this old mindset that says, hey, listen, there is something spiritual about being miserable. How many know that God doesn't get any glory out of you being miserable? God doesn't get any glory out of your sickness. Jesus came to deal with those things so that you can have the full abundant life in Jesus, living in victory. It doesn't mean that everything is going to be easy, but it means that when things are difficult, that you're able to rise above the junk and move into what God has for you and to find joy, unspeakable joy, peace that goes beyond understanding. People look at you and they're like, how the heck are you doing so well? And you're like, well, because I'm in Jesus. And you're not just being super spiritual, you're being honest. And so God wants you to be honest in your overcoming. We talk about being vulnerable. We talk about being honest all the time. And what we normally mean by that is talking about just let me let you know just how miserable you are and being vulnerable. How about our vulnerability would be our testimony of victory? So not that you would just speak it, but that you're actually experiencing it. Amen? Romans chapter 8. If you're not familiar with Romans chapter 8, we read from Romans chapter 8 a lot. You say, hey, didn't you use that a couple weeks ago? I don't know, probably. We visit Romans 8 a lot. We kind of live there. You know, some churches go verse by verse. We kind of end up going back verse by verse, but we just kind of go back to the same verses many times. And uh, I believe if there's one chapter in the Bible that you should memorize, it should be Romans chapter 8. Because Romans chapter 8, I believe is, I like to call it the victory discourse, because it talks about the overcoming life. It talks about the spirit-filled life, how we can rise above all that life throws above at us, the sin, the difficulty, the, the mindsets, all that kind of stuff. We can live above it. And Romans chapter 8 teaches a lot about that. So we're probably going to be dabbling in this uh, scripture, if you will, um, for the next, you know, five weeks or so. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. I'm going to start here. God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to be like his son. Everybody say, God chose me to be like Jesus. That's good. We can go home. So that his son would be the first born among many brothers and sisters. So like Jesus kind of is like your older brother. Okay. He's the firstborn of the father. We're all not the firstborn. Does this make sense? So we're all, we positionally, we're in the same family that Jesus is in. Are you with me? You, you are, you are just as much a son of God or a daughter of God as Jesus is the son of God. There you go. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. I mean, you know, you're right with God because of Jesus, not because of you. 
Not because of your behavior. Not because you've done everything right this week. Because you didn't. And the reason why I know is because I didn't either. But I know that my position in God did not change because of Jesus. It's not based on me. If God, where, where are we? Verse, if I could just read and quit preaching. Verse 30, and they call them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Well, God won't share glory with another one. Look at that. Because of Jesus, God gives you his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's right. No one. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting at the the right place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us, making intercession for us. That doesn't mean that he's just up there praying. That good news, there is a man in heaven representing you to the Father. I love, I love, uh, I heard Mark Bickle say this this week. He said, he said, there is a man in heaven. He said, a, a real man in heaven, a physical man in heaven. He has elbows. He said that. I was like, that's awesome. Like Jesus, listen, once Jesus, Jesus hasn't always been a man, but during the incarnation, when he became a man, he will always be a physical man. It's crazy. Woo. So there's someone that connects with the Father, that represents us to the Father, that is like us in many ways, is unlike us in many ways. Come on. Pleading for us. Can anyone ever separate us from his love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecution or hungry or destitute or in danger or even threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day and are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, despite all the hardships, all the difficulties, all the struggles, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loves us. See, you are more than a conqueror. Because Jesus loves you. Because he loves you. That puts you on the winning team. Because because he loves you and you said, yes. That word, overwhelming victory, in the Greek, I'm going to give you all some Greek. You ready? The word is hypernikeo. Hypernikeo. Now, nikeo is the word for victory. It's where we get the word Nike for our shoes. By the way, the only place the devil has is under your feet because you have victory. Nikeo. The first word of that is hyper. What does hyper mean? My son's not in here, but if he was, you would know what hyper means. Hyper means super. Hyper means high. Hyper means hype. Excessive. Can I tell you, you cannot exaggerate the love of Jesus and you cannot exaggerate your victory in him. 
So that's what this series is about. We're talking about rising above and that overcoming victory filled with kingdom identity, filled with kingdom purpose, and filled with kingdom destiny. We are kingdom people. Jesus paid a very, 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 very high price for us to walk in total victory. For us to move through life unfazed by what the enemy throws at us. I said unfazed. Well, the devil's been on me all week. Good. You're in a good place. Because if he wasn't against you, then I would be concerned. I want to I talk this morning about the physics of flight. Since we're talking about flight, I've got some airplanes here. I got two. Two, two airplanes. Well, we're going to throw them, Brooke. We're going to throw them, Pastor Brooke. We are. We are going to throw them. I want to talk a little bit today about how flight works because you probably don't know. You might know more than me. I've done a little bit of research here lately. Uh, how many of you guys get nervous when you get on an airplane? I, I know I do. I'm like, first of all, I'm like, how is this machine going to get off the ground? Did you know that those, you know, 747s that we get on, that we travel a- across the U.S. or across the world, that we get in, they weigh about three quarter of a million pounds. They weigh about 800,000 pounds. But after you get people and cargo on there, it's a million pounds flying through the air. I don't mean to scare you, but this is a reality we must deal with. Right? How does that happen? How does a plane fly through the air? How does that happen? I mean, there's all these things fighting against planes. Right? Let's talk about those things. Uh, Let me say this first. The same physics... For a million pound plane to get off the ground is the same for a quarter of an ounce hummingbird. The same physics are involved. Wow. The same physics. Um, you know, it's crazy to think that you can be in LA in three and a half hours. It's crazy to think that you can be in Paris in a little over nine hours. I can't even get to El Paso in nine hours, <laughs> but I can get on an airplane and fly across the world. Why? Because the, the plane allows you to do something supernatural. It allows you to exceed the limitations of the natural and rise above and move to a place. It's the most efficient way to travel. That's why two and a half million people in America travel on a plane every day because it's efficient because you can get there further and faster. And the reason you can get there further and faster is because you go up. So let's talk about this. So you have a plane I think we have a plane behind me too. See here. Oh, wrong way. So you have some forces on a plane, right? The first thing you have is weight, right? We call that gravity. You don't, you didn't think about gravity until you need it, until you don't need, until you realize it's there and you're falling, right? Oh, there's gravity. Yeah. Uh, Sir Isaac Newton, right? He discovered, I don't think he discovered, I think we all discovered before that, but he pinned, he called it the law of gravity, right? He's, he's sitting there thinking about physics and all these things in the sky and the world and all this kind of stuff. And he sees an apple fall from a tree and he goes, oh, it's gravity. Praise God for that man. I wish I would have been that guy and said, I want to call it Josh Andrew Brown, gravity or something, some other kind of name, right? Wait. So on a plane, you're dealing with weight. That plane that you're going to get on and fly to Paris, a million pounds, a lot of weight, yeah. right? But with pl- in order to get a, flame, a plane afloat, 
get it in the sky, you got to have this thing called lift. Lift. Are you guys seeing a helicopter? Helicopters have lift, right? Lift. When I threw the plane, it had to have lift. In order to get the plane to go higher, the lift force has to be higher than the weight force. Does that make sense? This isn't rocket science. It's plane science. Okay? <laughs> That's good. That's good. All right. So, so if you can get the lift stronger than the weight, with a lot of weight, I don't know about you, but I carry around a lot of weight. If I can get the lift higher than the weight, I can elevate. Right. However, some people are discontent to be elevated. How many know that Jesus didn't call you to the floating life? I know a lot of believers that are floaters. Oh, I just love Jesus. He's just so good. His presence is so thick and tangible. I just, I pray for like 16 hours a day. Where are you going? What are you doing? Oh man, it's just me and Jesus. We're just, I'm just loving the Lord. Woo, float, 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 float. Right? You're excited about Jesus, but you're not going anywhere. See, in order to fly, you have to have not just vertical movement, you must also have this horizontal movement. And in horizontal movement, you also deal with another force. The force is called drag. Because as you begin to push through the air, something is keeping you from pushing. It's called wind. <laughs> it's called air. You don't think about drag and you don't think about weight until you try to go somewhere, right. until you try to go up. Right. Some of us, our life was all good. People tell you, just come to Jesus. He'll make everything better. He will make everything better, but he won't make everything easier. In fact, some things will get more difficult because you come to Jesus. Because now all of a sudden, you're trying to go somewhere. And you've got forces coming against you. And so what a lot of people do is go, oh, never mind. Or I'll just stay right here, just me and Jesus. It's easier right here. So in order to move forward, you have to have this physic called thrust. And thrust moves you through the air. Ian. It's because I practiced like 14 times this week. So how do we get off the ground? How do we get off? How do we get lift? How do we get thrust? How do we move through? How do we get there? Well, first of all, you've got to understand, number one is this, is that resistance is certain. Resistance is certain. Newton also had these laws of motion. And the third law of motion says this, for every action, there is an equal or opposite reaction, right? We're talking about drag. We're talking about weight. How many of you have ever felt like going through life was a drag? (laughs) Or you felt weighted, right? Because you're going somewhere, because you're doing something for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And he illustrates it this way. Say you're standing on roller skates. 
since we're talking about the 70s, not inline skates, roller skates. I'm staying on roller skates and we push our hands together. What happens? We both move. You don't just move unless I got the brakes on, right? For every action, there is an equal or opposite reaction. So in order to move forward, our thrust must be stronger than our drag. Our lift must be stronger than the weights. And some would say, well, no, you know, I haven't really been experiencing any resistance in my Christian walk. Well, maybe you're not flying. Maybe you're not flying. Or some people are just complacent and content being on the ground. Well, I'm good right here. I don't really want to move forward in my relationship. When was the last time that you took strides, that you've gained some distance, that you've gained some altitude in your walk with God? Can I tell you today, that a pl- did you know when a plane gets higher, it actually requires more thrust? It requires more lift the higher and the further it goes, even at 600 miles per hour. The enemy will try to stop you from going where you're going, whether it's up or forward or hopefully for all of us simultaneously up and forward. Complacency is a very comfortable place to live because there's no resistance. Many of us in this room will not move forward in our walk with God because it's uncomfortable. And guess what? You will never fly. You'll never see everything that God has called you to see. You'll never experience all that God has ever called you to experience. Why? Because you're content because it's good. I don't like resistance. I don't like pressure, but can I tell you today, those are the things that will help you to fly because though every action has a reaction. So that's how God works it for good. In 1878, there was a traveling bishop and he purchased some toys, a toy for his his sons. And uh, his sons were fascinated by this toy. It was a toy plane, it was an aircraft. And uh, the young boy spent years playing with this toy. You got to understand the 1800s, you know, there weren't a whole lot of, you didn't just go to the local toy shop. I mean, all, all the toys were custom built. And, and so he brought this aircraft to, to his sons and they were completely fascinated, drawn in uh, by this aircraft. And for years they would unassemble and reassemble this toy. They were fascinated by the idea of flight. They thought, well, maybe, maybe humans could fly one day. And this, was, this wasn't a new idea. People had thought this for, for thousands of years. What if people could fly like birds? Yeah. And later in life, these, these boys became uh, engineers and inventors, and they had a bike shop. They were bike shop mechanics and engineers, and they dreamed and studied the physics of flight. And they went back to this toy. They would study this little plane and how it would fly in the air and how it'd hover in the air. And they began to build prototypes and models as they dreamed about the possibility of humans being able to fly. They knew the laws of nature. They had studied all that. They studied the physics. But they also realized that there were other things that were causing resistance. It wasn't just the laws of nature. They also had the doubters. And people would come to these young boys that would spend hours, these young men spend hours on the beach trying to learn how to fly. And they would say things like, if God wanted us to fly, he would have given us wings. 
But they didn't stop. They kept going. Then on December 17th, 1903, on a sandy beach in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, Orville and Wilbur Wright successfully flew the first airplane that could carry humans. And this is what they said. Our accomplishment of flight is indicative of something profound. Beyond the normal order of nature. See, Jesus has called you and provided a way for you to live above the normal laws of nature. Life is more than getting up tomorrow morning and dragging yourself out of bed to go to a job that you hate. So you can go home and deal with the monotony of raising children that wear you out. So you can do your best so they can go to college, so they can do the exact same thing that you're doing in 20 years. God has called you for more than monotony and more than the American dream. God has destiny for you. He's called you to impact nations. I said he's called you to impact nations. You're going to start with your neighborhood. You're going to start with your family, but God has called you to greatness. Not greatness as the world defines it. Beyond that, we're talking about greatness that has eternal significance. So in order to fly, you're going to have to learn to defy some forces. You will have resistance. It's going to come. It's going to happen. But the difference between those that are successful and doing what God has Design them to do. And those that will sit at bay are those that say, you know what? I will defy the resistance. I will defy the natural elements because Jesus paid a high price for me. So get ready for resistance. People will resist you. People will tell you, oh, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? There'll be doubters. God wanted you to do that. He would have supernaturally done it. You'll have that. Well, if God wants to do it, he'll do it. I don't know where we get this strange philosophy. God calls us to partnership. God calls us to do things with him and through him. He has destiny. God's will doesn't always happen. There are some people that will never get reached if you don't learn to fly. There were some people that will never get their healing if you don't learn to fly. Some people that will never beat their battle of discouragement or depression because you didn't learn how to fly. People that will never come, overcome addiction because you didn't learn how to fly. But here's the good news. You were built for flight. You were built for flight. See, the spirit-filled life is a life that was built to fly. I said, really? Really? Yeah, you're rebuilt to fly. In the natural, you couldn't fly. In the natural, if a discouraging news comes, you're going to get discouraged. If you get sick, you're going to have to go to a doctor. Nothing wrong with doctors, but that's the natural order of things. But if you're going to rise above the natural order of things, you're going to have to realize and get into God's rebuilt system. Are you ready for this? 
The rebuilt system is called being born again. Born a second time. Jesus is having a conversation with a man named, a Pharisee named Nicodemus. And it says this in John chapter three, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are what? Born a second time. What do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back to his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom without being born of water, which is of nature, which we have bodies because we're born of water, and born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. Humans can't, can reproduce only human life. Here it is. Oh, it's so good. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Because you are born again, you can fly. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. It's the only way you'll fly. It's the only way to have the overcoming life is to accept this gift that Jesus has given us called eternal life and be born into it. Have you been born again? I'm not talking about, you know, it's interesting asking people about their spiritual walk. Say, well, tell me, tell me about your walk with the Lord. And normally what people say is something like this. I started going to church. I was raised in church. I asked a woman one time, I was like, so, so tell me like your testimony. Like, how'd you come to the Lord? I started going to church. But there was no story like I was born again. God transformed my life. It was like I added Jesus onto this list of things that I was already doing. So I'm living life and I add Jesus on. That sounds like religion to me. Can I tell you today, Jesus does not want to be added on to the list of things in your life. He wants you to be born a second time. He wants you to be born of spirit because he's designed you for so much more. This is why Jesus came. Not so you can add Jesus. We don't add Jesus. We yield to Jesus. We're born into Jesus a second time. And that's how transformation happens. This is why so many people come in and it's like, well, I'm dealing with this issue and now I'm dealing with this issue. And I'm not saying that this is inherently wrong, but we see in the scripture that people absolutely transformed by the power of God. Why? Because they were born again. They were born a second time. They were born of spirit. How do I become born of spirit? You realize that Jesus came, it says later in John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How do you become born again? You believe. You believe that Jesus came. You confess, according to Romans, confess your sins, that Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? That you're yielding to his rulership. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that he paid the penalty for your sin. Then you can be born again. And you yield your life to Jesus. It's not about a prayer. Come on, get, get with me on this. It is not a prayer. It's a transformation. It's a yielding of our lives. It might start with a prayer. When have you been born again? Have you been born again? Today would be a good day to do that. And because we are born of spirit, we have a new nature. I have my natural nature, right? I'm Josh Brown. I'm able to do graphic design work. I'm able to do 
some of the pastoral duties that I do, right? Get in my car, I drive, da, da, da. I'm born, but then I'm born again. So now I have the power to connect with Jesus. Now I have the power to lay hands on sick people and then get healed. Because we're born of spirit, we have a new nature that defies the natural nature. Are you okay? So Matthew 13, 16, we hear and understand. We bear the fruit of the spirit, not the fruit of the environment, the fruit of the spirit. We war in the spirit. So we don't wage war as the world does. The scriptures are all here. We wage war differently. We don't wage war with guns and raffles and internet posts and blogs. We wage war in the spirit. It's a spiritual battle. We have the gifts of the spirit. So we're able to hear from God and prophesy. So we're able to lay hands on sick people and then recover. We're able to see miracles happen. We're spiritually minded, Romans 8, 6. And we're led by the Spirit. It's not my will, it's His will. Why? I'm being led in the Spirit. Have you been born again? If you have been been born again, then realize that you've been rebuilt, that you've been reborn for flight. You can do it. Number three, trust the engineer. You know what aerodynamics is? So aerodynamics is what makes that plane fly because it's designed in such a way to go through the air. If it wasn't shaped that way, it wouldn't be able to fly. If you're driving, as you probably have done in your life, probably when you were younger, I I still do it from time to time, I'll be honest, drive down the road and stick your hand out the window when you're driving. And if you hold your hand like this and do the cool wave motions, it moves, right? But if you go like this, what happens? (laughs) Because you're defying aerodynamics, right? Right? But if you do your hand like this, come on, right? It's like, that's why big diesel trucks, not only because they're carrying a heavy load, but because the way they're shaped, terrible aerodynamics. So they're getting like six miles per gallon, right? That's why they make cars all awesome shaped and really fast cars, super awesome shaped. They're aerodynamic. They're there to, to penetrate through the natural laws of resistance, When planes are engineered, just like the Wright brothers did, they spend hours going through that plane. The way the seats are positioned to to distribute the weight, the way the wings are, the the type of bolts, the type of nuts, they are so meticulously designed. And this is why it took centuries, millennials for us to learn, millennia, for us to learn how to build planes because there are so many details that are involved in order for it to be able to fly. So for us to be able to fly, we must realize that God has built me in such a way. He's engineered my spiritual life in such a way that I can fly. Will you believe this? Will you trust the engineer? See, you trust the engineer when you go to DFW to fly out of town. But will you trust the engineer of your soul, the engineer of your spirit, the one that made a way? Will you trust him and say, yes, Lord, I will get on board. I will do what you've called me to do. I realize that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made for everything that you've designed me to do. And I will get in with you, Jesus, and we will go. Will you trust the engineer? We were built, listen, you were built to handle pressure. Planes are built that way. Handle the, the, the air pressure in the air that would, that would crush them if they weren't designed that way. 
But you were designed in a way to handle pressure, to handle resistance, to handle turbulence. You were designed that way. So whenever you're going through a difficulty, don't get offended when your brother or sister in the Lord comes to you and say, you can make it. Be encouraged because it's true. God has designed you in a way to make it. And not just survive, but to actually thrive. You are built to handle flight. It won't always be comfortable. It will be difficult at times. You will face turbulence. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. But you are built to defy the laws of nature. You were built to go somewhere. You were built to go somewhere. I'm going to close uh, with, with this section. You don't have to come up yet, baby, but you can if you want. I, I like having you up here. Make me well, I Yeah, okay. Isaiah chapter 40. Everybody knew I was going to use this chapter. It's a very famous chapter, or passage in the scriptures. Have you not heard? Have you never understood that the Lord is the everlasting God? Do you get this? Do you get who he is? The creator of all the earth. He never grows weak. He never grows weary. No one can measure his depths or his understanding. He is deep. But check what out what he does. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youth will become weak and tired and young men will fall into exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord but those who trust in the Lord, it's natural for you to get exhausted, for you to get weighted by this life. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Everybody say new strength. See, God has given you new strength. God has given you a new strength, not an old strength, a new strength, a renewed strength, and they will soar high on wings like eagles and they will run and not grow weary and they will walk and they won't faint. Listen, God has designed you in such a way for you to run and not grow weary, for you to walk and not faint, for you to fly and not crash. He's designed you in a way for flight. Trust him. It all starts with trust. Is he not worthy? I believe that that's what, that's what uh, Isaiah is saying here. Is he not worthy? Is he not big and powerful and strong? Is he not worthy? Trust him. Trust him. I know you're weak. I know you're weary. But will you trust him? That word trust. Some translations use the word hope. Others use the, the word wait. Those that wait upon the Lord. The word in the Hebrew is kaval. And that means to bond together. That means to bond together. It means to, to twist together. Those that unite themselves with the Lord, those that trust him, those that get on the same page, those that mingle their will. And they say, Lord, I want in. I want to be with you. I want to be fully invested. I want to create a bond with my heavenly father. Those that wait upon the Lord, they'll renew their strength. These eagles, many times I did a little study this week and 
And I found out that, that eagles many times when they, even, even young eagles will struggle with this. Sometimes their, their, uh, their feathers will get weak and they'll get brittle and they'll break. And, and so what a lot of times what an eagle will do is he'll go to a, a safe hiding place, a cave or, or in between some rocks or something and he'll begin to pluck out all of his old wings and he'll wait there. And he'll just wait there until his, those wings are renewed, until those wings start to come back. And I think that that's what the Lord is doing today, those feathers in your life, that where you've been hindered, where you haven't, I believe today that the Lord wants to renew your wings, where you've grown weak, where you've grown dirty. He, he wants to have you to have the born again experience to where, to where you, you were living life, but you shed the old life and you came into the new life. Another thing about eagles, second thing, is the eagles sometimes when they get old and they get tired and they get weary and their life begins to come to a close. Many times an old eagle will crawl out upon a rock and if especially if they're sick and they have sickness and toxins in their body, they'll climb up on a rock or go lay out in the middle of the desert and they'll just lay out before the sun. And what ends up happening is that sun begins to energize them and remove the toxins and remove all the junk from their body. And as, they, as, they, as that sun begins to charge them up, they mount up. And that eagle begins to walk again. And then that eagle begins to run again. And I'm telling you today, that eagle begins to fly again. Those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. I'm telling you that God has called you and designed you in a way for flight. 